Welcome everyone to another episode of Kiwi Talks. I'm honoured to have my guest today who has served for more than four terms in the Hamilton City Council. She is a veteran at this stuff. Um, I'd like to welcome Angela O'Leary. Thank you, Reese. Thank you very much. That's uh, right. Does pronounce your last name right? Yes. Yes. Well done. Okay. Good. It's Irish. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Well, Riley, I think that's Irish as well. So yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, first thing I want to know is uh, how you got into politics in the first place, because it's not usually the thing that somebody wishes to get into when they're growing up and they have their dreams. And yeah, it's so not. And and my stories. Very uninspiring. I at the time I was uh, with an ex partner and we were running a nightclub in town, and I was bored with that and a little bit bored with him actually. To be honest, <laughs> bless him. <laughs> um, and interestingly, back then, so that was two thousand and seven. Council were advertising for the next election, but they were advertising um, desperate for candidates because there just weren't any um, candidates putting their names forward. Right. And I'd never followed politics. I didn't know who the mayor was. I, yeah. did, I couldn't have named a city councillor, or you know, didn't didn't bother paying any attention. Um, and so I thought, typical Gemini, master of no, what is it? A jack of all trades, jack master of all trades, master of what? None. None. <laughs> um, and I thought, oh, I can do that. I'll just give it a go. Yeah. And so um, I remember my first candidate meeting, Reese, and it was I, back then I was technically young. I was 39, going on 40. And uh, one of the incumbents came up to me, a woman actually, and uh, she patted me on the shoulder. She says, Good on you, dear, but you're never going to get elected. So I actually know what it's like being a younger person um, putting your name Was forward. there a rebellious attitude about you uh, that wanted to be like, I want to prove you wrong? <laughs> no, I just I just carried on, just stayed in my lane and, okay. and did what I did. Um, and yeah, and strangely I got elected and, and wondered how that had happened. <laughs> and and then, of course, um, there was only myself and Kay Gregory. She was the second, uh, Only there were only two new people um, elected that, that term and it was right on the GFC, right when it was hitting New Zealand, and I did not know what I had gotten myself into. And I remember walking into the chamber for the first time being absolutely terrified and my hands were shaking and I could I had no saliva left in my <laughs> mouth. Um, and I looked at Kay and she was as white as a ghost and, and it pretty much that was my first term. Um but by the end of it, I learned some really hard, hard, horrible lessons. It was a really tough, brutal term for an inexperienced person. And we were absolutely segregated uh, into the opposition, which, you know, there's no place in my uh, view of local government to have A and B teams, but but unfortunately it can happen. Yeah. But after that, you know, the next election sort of started looming in 2010 and I just found myself, no matter how tough it was, the harder things get, the harder I dig in. And I guess I learnt that about myself, um, that while I am a typical Gemini and in terms of hobbies, I don't tend to stick to them. When it comes to work, I do. Um, and I guess politics just chose me. And I, you know, I have gone through some brutal things in my 12 years that you learn that resilience, you learn um, confidence, you learn how when you're beaten down, you just get back up because it's the right thing to do and other people are counting on you. And it, it, despite all of that, I absolutely love it. You know, there's just mm. so few people in the world that get to ha 
work in an elected position. It's it's a real privilege. Because some people look at politics and think, oh, no way would I ever <laughs> want to do that. So it's always interesting to me to talk to politicians yeah. because I would imagine that part of it must be very, very rewarding if you're able to do something that affects somebody or a group of people in a positive way. Yeah. But, but um, it was interesting when I had Andrew on here. I'm sure you have a, a lot of words to say about yeah. him because I know you two have clashed yes. quite a bit on a number of things. Yeah. Um, what's what's your view? Because did you listen to the podcast that I did with Andrew? Um, I sort of fast-forwarded through some of it, yeah. Well, that's um, why I have timestamps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 did, I did watch some of it and listen to some of it, yeah. What was your thoughts on when he discussed rates? Because I know... Well, this is this is my view on it. When he talked to me about rates, um, his reasoning for raising rates, I can understand. However, he kind of contradicted himself a little bit later because I asked him about buying those properties on Victoria Street. Yeah. And I asked him, um, because in the Public Works Act, you can purchase them for market value, but he didn't want to do that. But then he's talking about, well, we need to, you know, pay for t- to manage our assets. And I'm thinking, but you're paying this additional money that you don't need to pay, mm. so it doesn't really make much sense. Yeah. I know that you want to um, have fair rates. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? So, yeah, um, when I came, first came out was one of the first policies that I released um, was my uh, rates aligned to the cost of living. And that's because under the legislation, and I've challenged it over the years with council around the table, under the legislation, councils have to determine and set rates that are affordable to ratepayers. Now, what's affordable and how do we know unless ratepayers give me their income, their, you know, money coming in <clears throat> and money going out? I don't know what's affordable and who am I to make that kind of judgment? Mm. So I thought, well, what, um, you know, what's relevant to uh, some, you know, families and, and businesses? And I thought the cost of living was the most relevant measure I could I could go out with. Now, to give you an idea, Treasury's forecasting around 2% for the next three years. So that's where, if I'm the mayor, I'm going to set the rates because that's affordable or it's certainly more affordable than 9.7% rates increase. So when I went out with that, uh, my opponents, in particular Andrew King, made comment to the media that I was just making a political, um, a populist policy. However, I, of course, have a plan. Now, I'm not ready to announce how I'm going to do that just yet. But what it, because nominations don't close till the 16th of August. And, you know, it's a marathon and I need to know who I'm running up against. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is. Um, And, you know, I'm in this marathon to to win it and my team are supporting me to win it and, you know, residents are supporting me to win it. So I'm not going to put all my cards out on the table before I even know who I'm competing with. So, um... Oh, you know, I just let that sit, that that other candidates can think that it's a populist policy, but I have a plan and it's it's a pretty good plan. Okay. And and it's not about, you know, Reese, I've sat around that table for twelve years and with all due respect to all of my colleagues over that time, I have sat around and seen them write on a piece of paper, here's all the projects I want to do, what do you want to do? You chuck that in, then come to a figure and rate the ratepayer. So we don't live within our means. And yet I do in my house. I have an income and I pay my mortgage and I buy my food and pay for my petrol like all other residents. So why shouldn't council actually live within it means within its means? And certainly this mayor under his leadership has, like those buildings, 
um, gone against uh, massive public opinion and wish and submissions and just spent on vanity projects. And that's not living within your means. Yeah, well, I found when he was on here, and obviously it's a very different contrast to, say, Louise when I had her on here, but he tends to look at things uh, from a business perspective, mm. I find, um, whereas Louise looked at stuff from a more social perspective. Um, so I kind of, I understand why he looks at the, the way he does, but I, I, I'm not sure if it's, I'm not sure if he's being forthright with everything as well. I mean, I saw in the paper, I think earlier this week with the, what's it, his billboard that's on his finance. Yeah. Uh, what was it? His, uh, his billboard on top of his finance billboard. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, which makes people think he has an ulterior motive. Yeah. Whether yeah. he does or not, I don't know, but yeah. that doesn't look good. Yeah. And look, you know, being in local government, we're not there. Uh, I'm very um, uh, strong with my views here. I'm not there to make decisions for people. I'm there to yeah. represent people. And I have to know what those views are. <laughs> um, and I don't, I think having a business approach to local government is fundamentally wrong because you're not serving the people, you're serving business, you're serving what your own views of a business transaction might be, and you're a government. Um, an example would be that in the second, and all the minutes of those purchaser buildings were made public, um, you know, in, in the second meeting, it was a, everyone knows the mayor used his casting vote to, um, what was it, to pay 54% above market value for mm. the second purchase. Mm. Now, the room fell silent um, when he went to use his casting vote. He, uh, vote. he leapt up out of his chair with his arms in the air and yelled, Wahoo! Um, and is the, this is this on YouTube? That, no, no, uh, no. All the minutes and everything were, were released, but of course it was originally in confidential, so right. we passed a motion to. Okay. So, um, but you can certainly confirm that with some of the colleagues around the table. And and I said to him after, you know, this is public money that you're dealing with. Of course, I voted against it. This is public money. It's not your money. And he said in the meeting, um, I would I would pay that. If I, if this was with my money and my purchase, I would pay that. But, and I said, you know, it's not, it's just not your money. It's public money. So I guess if that's the business hat that he has on, I, I think that's fundamentally wrong. Because it would be incredibly difficult though, because Obviously, you could get two people in a room and what they want you to spend the money on yeah. could be completely different. Yeah. So how do you determine, well, if you're a leader, how would you determine where money goes? Because it doesn't matter what you do, there's going to be someone that doesn't like yeah. it. 50% of the people you make happy and 50% of the people you annoy. So. Yeah, because like, obviously <laughs> on, your, on your yeah. campaign trail, I'm sure you're meeting a lot of yeah. different people. Yeah. Um, what What are some of the things that they, they say to you or what are their biggest concerns? In my door knocking, and I've done about 700 houses so far, which I know it kind of sounds a lot, but it's not. You know, there's 160,000, no, wait, there's 55,000, sorry, homes. So I'm well, not, you know, I'm not going to even break the surface. But really. with, with 700 homes, how long are you talking to these people for? Um, oh. Because that would, that, that yeah. makes it sound a lot more impressive if you're. Oh, no. Homes. So, so first of all, about 50, 50% of people are home. 
All right. Yeah. Okay. No, so that's why, you know, it's a numbers game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, most candidates, if they are door knocking, they'll get to a few thousand. Um, but yeah, 50% of those people are home and then probably about 40% of those people have a conversation. It's usually one to two minutes. Okay. Um, and the rest are just thank you very much and take the flyer and, and, um, and that's it. So, but that's... I think that those percentages, I guess, if you broke it down, is the same as who are engaged in voting, which is, of course, thirty percent. Yeah. Well, I talked to I talked to Louise about this, and I also I was on, appeared on some radio show a while back too, yeah. um, and they asked me how to get young people into voting, and it seems like a very difficult thing to do because mm. politics is very very complex, and it's very hard to put it into a small two-minute window because that's <laughs> pretty much the time span you have to try and convince yep. a young person before they're like, uh, Instagram, yeah. Yeah. you know? <laughs> so um, what's what's your thoughts on how you'd get young people interested? Because Andrew said that he thinks that people are just going to get interested because of climate change and they're going to yeah. rally behind it. Yeah. There might be an element of truth to that, but yeah. do you agree? or um, I, To a certain extent. I, I don't think... Um, I think that the climate change issue is fantastic to, you know, it's wonderful to see these young people connected with democracy like that. I see the connection into democracy, but I'm not sure they do because they're so focused on the issue, mm. um, which is which is amazing. So I think a lot has to change before young people will really feel that they're affected by local government. And I did a, a series of, um, I spent about four months last year um, talking to groups and I called it Your Vote Matters, and it's this cool, fun presentation. And I talked about, you know, compare, looking in the candidate booklet and, and comparing and actually doing your research and looking at, you know, a candidate's photo. Uh, you know, people can uh, appear to be different in a booklet to what they are in real life. And I mm. compared it to, you know, the advertising of a Big Mac burger, and it right. always looks really good, and it's this big, yep. and what you get is kind of shriveled. And, yeah. And, yeah. Yep. So I used some fun analogies like that, and I got great engagement, but... First of all, the voting system's archaic. We're not online. Um, we're certainly not on on an app on your phone. Uh, there's, you know, stories about um, or fears about security and things like that. I think that would engage um, young voters. And it's not about democracy, local government. I think I am should be the expert in democracy. So I have to go where the people are. And we right. never go where the young people are. We only attempt to try and do it at election time. What's well, it's too late. They're not going to engage in a, in a quick amount of time. Their I lives agree. are busy. There's parties. There's university. There's school. There's all these things. So our job as the experts in democracy should be throughout the whole three-year term. And certainly as mayor, I have a whole lot of ideas to do that. And the other interesting thing that I think also um, – Young people have, and a lot of people in rental properties also sort of think, I don't own my house, so I'm not affected, um, or I my vote won't matter. And I talked a lot about that, and I talked a lot about my research when I was talking to these groups. And the um, majority of voters are over the age of 55, and they have lived in their home for 10 years or more in that area. So they're more invested in their community and feel a part of it. Valid point. Yes. So they feel engaged and they feel like I better vote. But when you break it down, um, and I've spoken to a few young people, not groups, but just informally, the moment you get up in the morning and brush your teeth and have a shower and flush the toilet, 
that's council because we bring water to your house. You leave your house, you're, you're walking on a footpath, you're driving in your car on a road, that's council. So when you start, you know, people traveling around the city from the moment you leave your house or get up in the morning, leave your house, travel around and come home, that's your local government. And it's getting that message in a three-year period, not just at an election time, um, to younger voters and to the 70% of people, 66% of people that don't vote, to tell them that there is value here and your vote absolutely matters. Until we do that, I'd, I think it's going to be at least another decade before young people feel like their vote counts and their vote matters. Mm. Is there is there any um, way of maybe looking at digital marketing? I mean, I see yourself that you're on Facebook and yeah. Instagram and Twitter yeah. and all of that, but yeah. there are some candidates who aren't on there at all, Yeah, um, which I find a bit strange because most young people yeah. Well, I imagine 98% of young people use social media as a way of getting that information. Even when I release these podcasts, there's a whole bunch of different social media websites where I do to advertise yeah. it. And it's quite surprising that um, a lot of people, well, there's no there's no mayor candidates that are on any of these public forums, which have maybe 4,000 members or, or something like that. One of the interesting things I do need to tell you is right after I did the Andrew King podcast, I had a whole bunch of people get Angela on, get Angela on, oh, get good. Angela. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. And and nice feedback. And Thank the you. thing is, um, obviously, a lot of people have comments about Andrew, Louise, Paula, so forth. Yeah. You're the only person in my circle, and just the people within that I've networked with that yeah. haven't said anything negative about you. Yeah. So, um, and I was like, oh, I found that very, very interesting. And obviously, there's bound to be someone that says oh, something. Yeah, oh, there is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but that's a lot really of nice feedback. but yeah, there's obviously mm-hmm. a lot of support behind you. Yeah. Um, I know the last election it was it was down to the wire between Paula and Andrew and yes. the recount and that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So how how has been your approach this time in terms of your campaign compared to last time? Well last I mean this is a mayoral campaign and this is the first time I've run for the mayoralty. Yeah. Um and uh why, why didn't you run for it last time? I wasn't ready. You don't think you were ready? No. Um I I've always said to myself, first of all, when I entered politics and when I realised it chose me um, and I had no choice but to continue, that once I stop looking, being able to look with fresh eyes and being able to question something in front of me, then I have to go. And I will go because I care so deeply about the city and the people in it. And as I said, it's such a privilege to do what I do. It's quite phenomenal, really. Um, And that day certainly hasn't come yet. so last, I, so I thought that might be about my fourth or fifth term. Okay. So um, this is coming towards the end of my fourth term, and I, I, I do look back at that last one, but no, I, I, I wasn't ready, and it wouldn't have been fair. And I'm not interested in the role to wear the red cape, or you know, to be <laughs> yeah. the most important person in a room. Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm the mayor, you'll very, re- I will never wear a cape. <laughs> That's for Superman and Wonder Woman. <laughs> I, I just, it's not who I am. And I, um, and I, you know, begrudgingly, I might have to put the chains on occasionally if I'm the mayor, but I just don't, it's just not, it's not in my DNA to do that. You know, I've always been in the service of others um, through hospitality and retail, and, and now I'm in the ultimate service of others. So I, after Andrew got elected, um, that was a bit of a shock. I wasn't expecting it. And 
I think a lot of people weren't. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, and actually, to be honest, Reese, I didn't have a preference of who I wanted. I sort of, you know, I looked through all their campaigns, and there was a there was a bit of variety, but pretty much all fairly saying, you know, saying the same mm-hmm. thing. And and so I spent um, uh, Christmas twenty sixteen getting over the shock, I think, and then January. It was actually January the fifteenth, twenty seventeen, that I thought, right, I'm going to go for this, and and have been preparing since that day. And then January the 15th this year I announced and I've been campaigning ever since. So, but that, that you know, I'm a planner. Um, I like to focus on an outcome and um, do whatever I can to make sure that, you know, I'm doing the best job possible for that outcome. And I believe that I'm the best candidate for the city and that I can do the m- most good in the top job. Is in terms of your policies, because obviously we talked about rates. What yeah. what are some other things that you want to tackle, or things that need to be resolved? So, one of my, my big thing, and a lot of my well, my campaign billboards and posters are all actually just say trust Angela, because yeah. I've been I'd, the most accessible council. I was the first to have a blog and first to web website and first to social media, and every single one of those was such a fight with my colleagues. Really, because I was being transparent. But I would imagine that's what most people want yes. with their councillors or that's mayor, right. transparency. Yeah. So, it, it, I mean, almost probably every, I, you know, I could find media stories when I first did a blog. I don't, it wasn't even WordPress. It wasn't a cool one. <laughs> it might have been Weebly <laughs> or something. Um, and the first time I opened my Twitter account and my Facebook page, and there's probably Waikato Times stories covering most of those because – the fear was that I guess decisions had been made for such a long time in a fairly untransparent way, and then suddenly I'm saying, "Hey, this happened today. What do you think of it?" Or this was the decision, and it's every single one has been a fight. I guess the biggest fight was when I put um, webcams and live streaming for council meetings. Well, I found that interesting when I heard about that. I did try watching one, but I yeah, oh I no, it's like it's it. like watching paint dry. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I don't know that much about politics, no. so, so and yeah, so I, I found it a bit yeah. difficult to watch. But it's still, it's still cool because I there. think you're the only council that does it, aren't you? No, no, quite a few do. Yeah, do Christchurch does it. Uh, Auckland does it. No, no, no. It, I mean, it certainly wasn't an original idea of mine. I just Was it, thought, were you hey. the first to do it though? No, we weren't. No. no. Okay, maybe I read that or misread it somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Um, so for me, transparency is a really big um, thing. Now, of course, last term, uh, last election, we heard a mayoral candidate who was the incumbent say one of his pa- platforms was truth and transparency. Mm. And uh, I would hold him to task quite strongly on that. And I think a lot of the residents would as well. So I have, again, a whole list of really quite fun things um, to be transparent. And again, it's we're the experts in democracy. We take it to the people. We fit in with your busy lives and we'll do it on a, whatever platform works for you. So with young people, that would be going through onto their devices. And I'm quite excited about that. When I launched my augmented reality channel, hopefully you had a look at that. I heard about it. Okay. I'm not exactly too sure it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so what is it something you just download on your phone and what, how, yeah. does it, how does it how so does it interact? Augmented reality has been around the world yeah. for quite a while. I think it's about 2010 or 2013, but it's still fairly new, not technology, but it's new 
we're not used to using it. Yeah. So um, you download a uh, an app on your iPhone or Android, and it's called Zapper. It's got a little yellow lightning bolt for a superhero. Okay. <laughs> and then um, and then any campaign material of mine. So all of my core flutes, even my billboards. Not that you can reach up to a giant billboard. Um, my any advertising and newspapers that I'm doing anywhere where you see the Zapper logo. So that's like a barcode. So it's unique to my brands of my campaign. Um, now that will open up. So you just scan it. It's quite cool. And then you put it, uh, put your phone to the floor so it can sort of center itself. And then it's it's like 3D, I guess. Right. So you can see the background. Okay. And then and then opens up and it's got a, a, a every week on a Friday we have a new poll. Um, it's uh, it's got um, my four quick policy videos there. Um, and then there's a really cool, fun selfie thing going. Um, it's very cool, and I expect you to use it. Yeah, yeah. I want to okay. see this I'll, photo. I'll after, um, after this, I'll, yeah. I'll download it. Um, so the selfie, I think the selfie one's being loaded next Friday. It's, it's, I, I'd love something that I did to go viral, and if anything is, this is going to, I think it's really cool. Anyway, um, I won't say too much more about that. I'll flick you a message to remind you. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, one of the key things for me is, is people know me. I've, um, you know, I've, my political career is with Hamilton, is with the people. I've always been open and transparent. And when I've been door knocking, first issue is rates, second issue is trust. And they don't feel that they can trust the what's been happening in the leadership of council. Do they elaborate on the whole trust thing? Or yeah, do, yeah. Yeah. What yeah. Are, what's what's some of the things that they say? Uh, that the Victoria Street buildings is top of mind. Yep. Absolutely top of mind. Um, the process through the LTP, we had record number of submissions um, and the analysis of those submissions, the questions were, and again, this is all through um, stuff in, in the media, Waikato Times. The questions were, if you didn't tick... Uh, what was it? If you didn't say no, you were saying yes. So that's how uh, feedback was interpreted. I see. Um, and so unfortunately, the actual analysis that was done said yes, buy the buildings. Yes, spend four million on garden place. Yes, do that. So that was a really a big breach, I think, of public trust. Uh, um, I'm... Uh, really diligent with my work. So I read every single one of the, I don't know, was it 2,100 submissions? And and a shame I had to do it this way, but had a little notepad and had the items, so four million for garden place, buy the buildings, this, that, the other, big rates increases. And I sort of did a, a rough, very unscientific <laughs> check. And quite clearly people were overwhelmingly against, of course, a large rates increase, the buildings, garden place. But mm. the analysis that was done, because if you didn't say no, you were saying yes to a project, was was just wrong. Um, and that comes up a lot. Okay. So, but uh, in terms of, besides the whole trust and rates thing, in yeah. terms of policies, yes. what would you want to do? Yeah. Or something for the city? Because here's the thing I've noticed. I mean, I'm originally from Auckland. I moved here four years ago. Mm -hmm. And I look at the city a lot. And I think, man, the city has so much potential. Mm. And a lot of people have echoed this. And you're originally from Wellington. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, I see there's a lot of potential for the city. And obviously, as Auckland becomes more expensive, mm. uh, the the Waikato and the Bay of Plenty kind of can capitalize on yeah. that. Um, but what is there anything you have in terms of an idea that could possibly uh, revitalize the city? Because... 
here's the thing. Hamilton has a bit of a negative stigma mm, to it. We do. Yeah. Like when I left Auckland, people were constantly. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Dude? Like, wh- why are you going there for? <laughs> you know, what's wrong with you? Um, and I, I do think that stigma will eventually go. And I think yeah. a lot of people that probably even say that probably haven't spent any length of time here. Yeah. Um, I do know the the CBD obviously is a problem and it needs to be revitalized, but is there, what, what do you think can be done to help Hamilton kind of yeah, yeah. reach the level that it, that it can reach really? Yeah. It has the potential to. Yeah. First of all, the CBD needs, CBD is not dying, but we'll get to that a bit later. Yeah, yeah we can talk, we can talk about, <laughs> yeah, a bit later. Um, fundamentally, first of all, the leader of the city needs to be someone we can be proud of. You know, someone that is out there pushing our people and our ideas and our innovation forward, not doing some odd decision-making that puts us in the news with, uh, it makes people, oh, there's Hamilton again, you know. So that actually doesn't help. It doesn't help. Well, he's not the only one. There are no, others absolutely. that have also been in the news yes. for wrong reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, he's not. Um, but, you know, leadership starts from the top and a fish rots from the head down. So, I like that um, analogy. <laughs> um, oh, look, one of my policies is about proudly celebrating and promoting our city, and a key to that is the river. You know, we. Yes. I was on the original River Group, and we spent um, that spanned two councils in eighteen months, and we did the River Plan. I've seen the plan. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah. Now the key to that plan, and I've got a, um, a video going on my augmented reality channel soon. Just a thirty second video because thirty second videos are the sweet spot. <laughs> <laughs> Any longer, and people switch off. Yeah. Um. The One of the things when we were doing that river plan I was so excited about was a river centre. I said, we have to have it. Have you been to the Waitakere Ranges? And they've got that really cool visitor centre. Yep, I was raised in West Auckland. So oh, yes. well, there you go. Yep. And um, I'm a big hiker, so I, I love that place. That was, for me, that was the anchor. That was going to be the, the pulsating heart of the whole river plan. Now, that's 33 kilometres of city river. Um, our biggest natural resource that's completely underutilised. So when we started with that plan, when we finally had, we had some open days and hundreds of people came and they loved the visionary documents. And the big take-home message was, get on with it. Like we've had this from councils before. Yeah, I've, I've been wondering yeah, why nothing's yeah. been actioned. We've had 50, uh, 50 years of different politicians talking about this, get on with it. So we were absolutely committed to getting on with it. New council comes in, and I'm not speaking out of turn here when I say that the current mayor put uh, pushed aside everything that the previous mayor had done and all the, the council had worked on and started again. You know, and one of the most, um, I, see, I guess, biggest evident, evidence uh, documents of that um, and actions of that is the 10-year plan. Every three, 10-year plan's really only three years, but every <laughs> three years you're supposed to tweak and adjust. And, right. that, and that's important. You know, when I went through the GFC on council. God, that was hard times. So it's supposed to be an adjustment. This was a wholesale change. Everything got thrown out, let's start again. And, and you know, you make commitments along the way to the public. One of them, of course, was 3.8% for 10 years, and that went out the window as well. So the river plan became a victim of, of that principle. Of politics. Of much. politics, you're right. Um, now there's been... Are there, are there other councillors that want the yes. river plan? Because yes. Because from what I understand is you all have to vote yes. on whether something... 
is actioned or not. That's right, yeah. So when we went through the 10-year plan process, um, he did set up a river plan task force group. Right. um, And that got a million dollars to do the jetty that's sort of being done down there at the moment um, and a few promenades and stuff up high. uh, The VOTR park was previous council anyway. It was just finished in this council. And um, But then that group stopped and there was, I don't know, several months or a year, and then it sort of started up. So it's been stop, start, stop, start. Um, there's never been a commitment to that river plan at this term, and now we've fallen exactly back where people said to us, get on with it. So one of my um, policies for proudly promoting our wonderful city is uh, I'm really excited about visitor economy and the key to getting that going into linking the gardens and the zoo um, and the museum is the river. Yeah. And the Waikato River Centre, I have innovative ways to fund things, and I'm going to um, announce an example of that um, at probably the Property Council, I think, because they'll be the uh, they'll be the ones we'll be able to partner with um, investors and stuff. But that's the key. You know, you're going to be able to – we'll build the spectacular river centre, and the river plan was never just about the mayor's vision of this big – buy some buildings, knock them down. It's a big park up high and you just look down on the river. Yeah. The river plan was about being on it, being part of it, being beside it. Um, and the river centre for me is the, is the anchor of that. You know, it's a, it'll be an amazing environmental educational resource for, for tourism, for, for education. Um, be a, you know, imagine a building that has the commercial cafes and things like that. You'll be able to get on a water taxi, all of those things. But that's the start of getting that river plan going. And I am 100% committed to that because it's it's good for everyone. It makes for an exciting and entertaining city for residents and visitors and oh, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, well, if you go to places like Brisbane yes. or Melbourne, yes. they incorporate the river. Yep. So, I yeah, I find it yeah. a bit bizarre that nothing's been actioned. But then from what it sounds like, it just comes down to politics yeah, and unfortunately. people not reaching agreements. But how would you... How would you fund it though? Like, where would the money come from? Because the thing is, when you when you put resources into something, yep. you have to take from something else. Yep. Which a lot of people I don't think realize. I hear some of these young people running for yeah. as councillors, and Promise. they say making all these promises, and yeah. I'm thinking, how? Yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, um, I do have innovative ways to fund things. Um, but first of all, first and foremost, a budget is about priorities, and you know. Um, Joe Biden, I think it was, said, who's now running for president for the US, said that, you know, don't tell me what your values are. Show me your budget and I'll tell you what your values are. And if you look at this 10-year budget that I voted against, the 9.7% rates increase I voted against, you can see where the mayor's values are. And the mayor gets to lead the budgets. They should take everyone along with them, and I don't believe that happened. Um, So first of all, budget's about priorities. And Funding, uh, funding things that people want, uh, should majority of people want, should be a priority. Not what you want, not for the King Memorial Park or anything, you know, like that. So um, innovative ways. I'm really disappointed this term. We haven't had a lot of external funding. We've applied for things. We haven't been successful. I don't know why that is. And we haven't partnered in an honest, transparent way with investors. Um, I'm... As I said, I will. I have got an example of a very unique and different way to fund with the private sector, and I will be releasing that on <laughs> <laughs> at the property council. And it's it's quite different, but it has been done before. So it's about innovative funding. I just don't think that the things, you know, focus on 
the core business and do it really, really well. You know, we should have world-class roads and footpaths and sports parks and we're only a little city. We should have those things and then find innovative and clever ways to fund the, um, I don't know that they're nice to have things, but the the special projects that a city wants and 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 needs at times, you know, things like theatres. Um, do you agree with uh, the Waikato Regional Theatre? I do, I do. do. I yep. think it's really important, particularly for young people to, uh, you know, we're talking really young people to be involved in, to, in performing arts and to know that that is a career path that they can choose. And um, what's that saying? Um, you know, kids can't, can't be what they can't see. And so I think yeah. it's really important to have a, a beautiful, well-functioning um, community regional theatre, and I'm super excited about that. I did ask Andrew when it was starting, and he said, oh, any day now we're going to announce the the remaining funding. Yeah. Because once all the remaining funding comes in, then uh, it will start being constructed. Yeah. But that was, I don't know. I don't, yeah. Earlier this month, yeah. so I, I, I don't think it's any day now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I um I believe they've got any, another two million from um uh, central government. So, but there's still I think the last count was there was still about fifteen million to go. So this isn't going to be one of those things that gets delayed by like a year or something. Though, um, is it? Oh, look, I I think Momentum are doing a really good job. I mean they're. They're absolutely focused. I, and I'm not close to it. I'm not in the governance group or the mayor would certainly have more information about yeah, that yeah, than yeah. I would. Um, but no, I don't, as far as I know and what I've been told, they're still, they're still focused on their timeline and still um, able to achieve that. But, you know, there's, it's a big project. and uh, Yeah, because uh, could it incorporate the river plan? Like if you were to become oh, mayor, yes. would you incorporate the definitely. two somehow? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and um, you know, with with linking promenades and walkways and stuff like that, that is the pedestrian overbridge from the theatre over to um, Hamilton East to Piranha Park. That's all really important, and it is important to make those connections. And also, that's where you make savings as well. Right. We did. Well, I'll I'll bring it back, but in terms of the CBD. Yes. Yes. So. So, because <laughs> I I do think even the Riverbank plan and the Waikato Regional Theatre yeah. are still are uh, all steps to they bringing are. people back. Yeah. But uh, from what I understand, because this is obviously well before my time, is yeah. that the base took a lot of the retail. It did. Out of the CBD, yep. uh, yeah. Andrew suggested that you know retail wasn't coming back, and to make it more of an entertainment hub. Yeah. That, that's his idea for yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what are your thoughts? So. What Hamilton went through, and what we're sort of coming out of, I guess, with our central city in the last few years, is that um, it takes a decade to, to to reinvent a central city. And I've looked at studies of metro cities around the world, mm -hmm. and every metro city that has experienced big box retail has gone through the same thing, where retail has moved out to the suburbs to the big box, and the CBD has had to reinvent itself. So we're not unique in that aspect. When you, you just have to drive around, I think we're dealing with perception and reality here. So if you go into the CBD, there is some massive uh, commercial development happening, not so much along Victoria Street at the moment. I think the theatre will be the catalyst for yeah, that. Yeah, I do know that the Union Square, Yes, that will be... Great. Very exciting, done. yep. Um, Opposite Seddon. Yep, yep, yep. Um, there's all of that. There's the DHB, that's 600 employees. Um, the IRD building is has been purchased by um, an investor in Wellington. Yeah. So he's still deciding, I think, what he wants to do with that. So um, there's, yeah, all along Seddon, uh, Tristram, 
there's some massive development. So it, there's huge investment. Um, there's the new Waikato Regional Council building. Yeah, in, yeah, in next the to Kmart, the Kmart, which yeah. opens later this month. Yeah, so there is significant investment. And when I when I talk to people and they say, oh, the CBD's dying, what are you going to do about that? I say, when's the last time you visited the central city? Oh, don't go there because it's dying. <laughs> so, Well, it might be perspective as well. Yeah. Because yes. if, if people are, say, because I know a lot of people move here from Auckland. Yeah. Uh, Just to follow you. <laughs> well, maybe to follow me, I don't know. But um, <laughs> but obviously, yes. Uh, so if they compare Auckland CBD with, say, Hamilton CBD, yeah. which isn't really fair because one has over a million people yeah. in it and the other's, what, 170,000? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I find, I mean, there's certain periods where the CBD is fully alive, like particularly on Friday and Saturday nights down near yeah. Hood Street. That's, that's always buzzing. And then you go down the other side and it's yeah. completely deserted. Yeah. Um, uh, Andrew did say that it is a very, very big CBD. Yeah. So to try and cover the whole yes. CBD as one massive yeah. entertainment hub wouldn't be realistic. No, no. Um, but so the, in terms of the nightlife though, I think that might be what people are referring to outside of Fridays and Saturdays, because during the day it seems fine because you've yeah. got all the office people. And... Yeah. One of, one of the, again, one of the victims of this term um, and this leadership was a central city transformation plan. Now, again, I was involved in that one as well. And that was a blueprint for the future. And we did the research there that showed um, and compared us to the other metro cities. That's why, I, you know, I know that other metro cities of our size have all gone through the same thing. Mm. Um, but one of the key things we found out was that the city is too big. Uh, central city is too big for the size of our city, so population, and we only have to go to Brisbane or Melbourne to know what dense population does yeah. for vibrancy and entertainment in a central city. And our blocks are, re are too big. So you drive from, say, Collingwood Street right to Ward Street, and that's one entire block. Um, so it create it spreads people out, it spreads traffic out. Um, so that's where the sort of size comes in. So the Central City Transformation Plan was really, a f I, I think it was a fantastic plan and future looking. And one of it was breaking up the large block. So going from, and I think it was maybe London Street North, creating a new mixed residential and commercial. So we'd have to change the zoning and that we were going to call it Victoria. And, you know... Um, How difficult is it to do that, though? It's not difficult. Um, we would be well into the process by now, well into the process and probably already have been done. I mean, plan changes can take... And it's a plan change. So we look at our city rule book and we go, OK, so instead of just commercial, we're going to make it residential commercial and put a hierarchy in there. It would have mean, meant, you know, apartments could go in there. Um, we had plans for... Um, uh, you know, street planting, proper residential-looking street planting. That would have created, um, or still can actually, because the plan's still there, create um, a, you know, a new, basically a new residential area, mm. mixed-use area in the city. And it was a no-brainer and takes care of that north section. Those businesses can still be there. Investors could have gone in. We could have had more housing. We'd be well down the track by now, but that, again, was another victim of it, was a plan of a re an original council. Are you a supporter of high-density housing? Uh, the right high-density housing. Well, yeah, because yeah. There's, there's two aspects to this, yeah. right? Because Louise is all for, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, high-density housing. Yeah. But Andrew was pointing out that 
uh, well, this is another thing I want to get your opinion yeah. on. Um, building tall yes. in, or high in Hamilton is quite difficult because of the, the fertile land. You can't, you can't get a strong base, so it's very difficult. Well, it's quite costly to yeah. build high. Um, so, and I think high density housing, and this is coming from an Auckland perspective yeah. because I'm from <laughs> Auckland. The problem with Auckland is I don't think the city was built right. They built far too wide instead of building up. Mm. And then you have massive congestion problems and traffic problems as a result. Um, I do know because Andrew mentioned that there are boundary issues as well with Hamilton because you've got, you know, Wiper District Council, yeah. like right on the borderline. And doesn't the Hamilton Airport fall under um, that? Uh, yes, Waikato, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's a whole bunch of yeah. boundary and regional yeah. and district issues yeah. um, to deal with as well. But so when you when you say uh, the right housing, mm. what do you mean exactly? So I, I have a, um, an issue with... Um, Areas where, you know, it took us seven years to complete the district plan and right. it's a living document and almost the day you, after the seven years, you know, the world has changed in seven years a lot and ideas have changed. Always brain catch up. Yeah, customer demands changes. So sort of, you know, I feel like we have to turn around and start again. Um, and the consequences when you're sitting in a chamber or you're sitting at a desk and you're making decisions on paper, you're relying on engineers and planners and environmental experts. But... You can't, you can't plan for uh, every consequence. And I'm from Dinsdale, and I see the development in Massey Street and Killarney Road, and it's and it's it's awful. You know, there are there's you're lucky if there's a square meter patch of grass um, for each unit, and that's our our response to high density. Now in the central city, there's some great high density. There's apartments going in without car parks. Oh, yeah. um, there's some really innova great innovation going on there. But in the suburbs, I think we've got it wrong. Um, so that's a bit of an issue. And I also have a, a bit of an issue with actually what are the what do the customers want? What are the people wanting? Because not everybody does want quarter acre anymore. No. Well, this is the thing. And this probably comes from the fact that, so my partner's Indian. Yeah. And I've been to India. Yeah. And I find that Asian culture tends to look at things mm. differently than, say, Kiwi culture because we have the Kiwi dream. We need mm. the big piece of land, you yeah. know, with the – you know, for the kids to play in where I think um, Asians are more, they're used because of the large population, they're used yeah. to staying in these these small little yeah. apartments and townhouses. Yeah. And I don't think they really mind. So you've got a cross between the two. Mm. But then I do, yeah, I, I don't think, but then I think some young people probably don't want a big lawn or anything. Oh, I agree. And high density, as long as we are, I think the missing link is, you know, politicians sit around the table and they decide what they think high density is. Then they create some rules and some plans and they get feedback from the stakeholders, which are generally the investors and the developers, developers who will build it. But have we gone out and asked the people what they want? Have we asked the next generation coming up behind us, what do you think you're going to need? You know, I'm I'm really, um, well, I'm not a millennial. I, I love innovation and I love technology and I feel like in I am an early adopter. Well, you're up with the play. Yeah. More so than most. Yeah. I know a lot of people my age that is. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know anything either. So. Yeah. So I, I feel that, you know, and one of the, um, if I can um, say uh, as mayor, I'm part of my committee structure and I need to obviously, you know, know who's around the table and what, what their aspirations are going to be, be for the city as well, but is to have a future Hamilton um, 
subcommittee or, or group or something to actually focus and not we're not talking a decade and we're talking 50 to 100 to 150 years because yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think while we are so passionate about our car that it's not going to be long before there are you know the 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 Uber, big Uber garages or whatever they might be out. out. Autonomous cars. and all. Autonomous cars. So therefore, what does that do to our planning? Well, that means we don't need a garage anymore because we're not going to own a car. So we need to be having those conversations now. Good point, yes. And we need to be... We need to be thinking about what that high density looks like. And there is a developer in town in Vialu Street, um, Andrew Yeoman, who has built and sold off the plans, all of, I think, I can't remember how many apartments there are, with no garaging. And mm. and when I asked him about the demographic of the people that have purchased, he says it's all mixed. There's 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 um, young couples, there's people on their own, there's immigrants, um, there's older couples. So, well, I think it might be the only option. Well, it, d- depending on housing in New Zealand, because it's getting out of control. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Auckland's just pretty much unaffordable unless you're a millionaire. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I imagine it will come mm. down here. At some point, I mean, I worry for young people because you know they go to uni, they study, they get these sixty thousand dollars student loans, and mm. they come out, and then they have to save and try and buy a house, which you know can be very, very difficult if they yeah. have to pay off a loan on top of that, as well as saving for yeah. a twenty percent deposit. Yeah. So this might be uh, an option for mm. them, I imagine. Mm. Yeah. Um, but we just need to ask. We we haven't done that. We haven't asked the customer. What you know, and that could be the students um, at high school. It could be university students. You know, have you gone to any universities and talked to any? Not about not about this issue. No, no. no. But I'd yeah. I mean, I'm just going off my research and what I think and feel about about the issue. And you know, I look back at at my mum when she bought a house, and you know, it was the house. I don't know, was eleven thousand dollars to buy a house back then. And well, there wasn't ten times no, the average it, salary. It wasn't. That's right. And she was able to afford the twelve hundred dollar deposit for the mortgage. But these days, um, I mean, if I was entering the the market these days, buying a house for the first time, I couldn't on my councillor's salary. I couldn't save eighty to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Well, so, I the, the part of the reason why I moved here in the first place is because look, I can never own a house in Auckland. Yeah. Um, and the type of work I was doing, I can get paid the same in Hamilton and the cost of living is mm. cheaper. So that's why I moved down here and I bought this place. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, I, it's, it's just, it's something I just really worry for uh, children in the future. Mm. Um, I mean, some people are just like, well, we need to have a crash, but I'm like, that actually no. causes Kinda. huge <laughs> problems around the entire country. Yeah. I don't think yeah. that's the the answer. So, yeah. um, yeah, in terms of uh, red tape, because this is mm-hmm. something Andrew talked about as well, is his his biggest draw card, well, or the thing that he's fighting for most, is red tape in terms of building anything within the city because there's mm. a long, drawn-out consent process, apparently. Mm. Do you know much about that in terms of the consent process? And yeah. How... yeah. Yeah? Do um, you agree that it needs I, to be... I do agree. Um, I do agree in red tape. And, and often it's... Uh, um, you know, politicians set policy here. We set a strategy or a policy. Yeah. And if it's not done well um, for a variety of reasons, then by the time that goes into the organisation to implement and filters down through different layers and different departments, planning, 
the outcome is not what you intended if that policy is not done properly. Yeah. And I think a lot of the stuff that we have done over decades, not just certainly not just this council, uh, we've fallen victim to that. We don't pay enough attention in, uh, at the start to understand if we're creating a city rule book like the district plan or we want to um, create a, a consent process, keep your eye on the, what the outcome over here because if we don't, then the consequences are going to be unexpected. And so I don't actually think reducing red tape is that difficult. It hasn't happened yet this term, and that was, again, one of his platforms. He has tried. Um, is there just particular councils that are just opposing it? Or no, what's, not what's, at all. What's the problem with no, trying to get it done? I think it's just because of the policy. You know, we're, we're constrained by, at times, difficult and bad policy – Government doesn't help. I'm not blaming them, but government doesn't help. They have just continuously lumped and constrained us with legislation and regulations. Can that, you give me an example? Um, earthquake buildings. So that's cost, uh, almost cost the country but a hell of a lot of money. And we've had to keep changing a policy to react to more regulations coming out. Um, right. Suddenly only these buildings were affected, but now these buildings are affected. We have to change the policy, which means more consents, which means more processes. We've gone from, a, I don't know, an inspection of 20 days to an inspection of 90 days. But we can uh, be smarter than that. You know, but, we are a government as well. And But does the government, when they apply this, are they yeah. applying this on a country scale or do they do it based on city to city? Because applying yeah. earthquake-proof buildings yeah. to Hamilton that's based on what happened in Wellington is that, absurd because obviously we don't have a fault right. line going through the entire city yeah. like Wellington does. Yeah. But so is it the same or is it? It's the same. It's the One same. size fits well, all. Well, that's just silly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and again, you know, the RMA, um, a Resource Management Act creates a lot of um, bureaucracy and slows the process down. But again, I have a few ideas to speed things up. You know, small business, I've got a small business, um, a suburban hub uh, strategy that I'll be announcing soon because councils never work with small businesses and those are 97% of the country is, is employees, small businesses with employees 20 and under. So those are our mums and our dads working hard in our restaurants and our hairdressers and our local dairies just making a living. Yeah. And council doesn't really help them. Now, I'm not saying getting into economic development and all that stuff, but they are in suburbs with roads and gardens and trees and lighting and safety and amenity, and we want people to shop local. So I have a plan for it all of our suburban business areas to enhance that so that more people shop locally. Because, again, that keeps people in their local area supporting it, less travelling around the city. Yeah. Um, but you can, and a couple of things, other ideas about one-stop shops for consenting process and stuff. Again, it's about priorities. There might be legislation constraining us, but be innovative. And mm. we're, we're, there's not enough of that. We're starting to think, as an organisation, we're starting to think into the smart, you know, the smart era. I don't like buzzwords. I hate jargon. <laughs> Speak to me in plain English. Yeah, well, I think I'm finding that a lot of people don't want to take risks. Yeah. Yeah. If they feel, you know, they've got too much to lose and they won't take the risk. So mm. if there's more an incentive for people to do that, then mm, um, right. that solves part of the issue. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you about public transport. Yeah. Um. So 
Oh, first thing I'll ask you is about the buses. Yes. So Andrew said that he wants to make buses free. Yeah. Just 24-7 for everyone. Yeah. Um, and I said, well, that's great, but um, once again, the Aucklanders are in me. Part of the problem I found with traffic congestion in Auckland was you didn't, if you're on a bus, there won't be a bus lane. So the bus just sits in traffic Yeah. as long as you would just in a car, just to get on the motorway. And I said, well, do you, do you have any incentive to put bus lanes in? And he said, well, I'll get people on the buses first and then worry about bus lanes. Mm. Are you for having buses free? Because mm. I imagine, I know some people who are like, no, I don't want my rates going towards yeah. free buses. But I do see when I'm driving around, buses just completely empty. empty. <laughs> like all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, buses are owned by regional council, so he's spent enough of Hamilton City Council money. Is he going to spend regional council money as well? I didn't know that. Yeah. Regional council money. So okay. city city council, we manage the infrastructure. So we manage the curbs and channels near bus stops. We we own and manage the uh, maintain the bus stops. So it's actually not our business. Um, secondly, free buses uh, assumes that cost is the prohibitor. And in a world where convenience is everything. Yes. Conven- it is. The most convenient thing that most people, I think it's 97% of people in Hamilton, have access to a private me- vehicle. The, the most convenient thing we own is a car. But the thing is, as well, I know with public transport, like the, the train is another one. Yeah. I do know with these type of things, is they tend to be long-term investments yes, as opposed true. to short-term investments. Yeah. And then also there's the product productivity element of it yeah. as well. If there's traffic, then that's less time with people actually doing work. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge factor of what's hindering Auckland. Do you agree with the, the train, the Hamilton to Auckland train? I do. I like the idea. Yeah. I think the implementation of it currently is not the greatest. Yeah. However... I do know that it's something that will be, yeah. Um, basically, it will be made better over time. Yes, it will. And that is taking a risk. Um, but I grew up in Wellington, so I grew up with trains and I grew up with public transport, but well, it was Wellington's incredibly convenient. Public transport's even better than Auckland, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But getting back to the buses again, I'm thinking of the future and I think we'll skip, I think we'll skip buses. And we will go straight to, what did you call them? You know, like Uber cars? You oh, autonomous, autonomous cars. Autonomous cars. Yeah. So I'd rather plan for that future than free buses and, and public transport. I think the face of public transport will change and we're not, you know, it's going to be with li- with Lime scooters and Flamingo scooters and all of that. That's an element of public um, transport that has a, a, a risk with it, but at least it's... Um, you know, it's convenient. And buses are never going to be in in our country convenient. I could never um, do my job where I travel around the city. You know, most days I could go to five to five to six different locations for meetings and events. And if I had to do that on a bus, I'd have to I'd be really unproductive. Yeah, well, they're not they're not that comfortable. No, no. So, you, did so, you ever catch a bus when you lived in Wellington, or did you all the sort? time? Because I show my age here, they had trolley buses back then. Oh. <laughs> so, but they it was incredibly convenient. Yeah. Um, because the because the city grew up with public transport. See, we haven't, so we're trying to retrofit it now. I guess. Um, Louise was saying that she thinks it's good because if you do have free pu- buses, and then let's say the buses are full, then that's like. 
let's say 35 people are on a bus, then 35 cars off the road. So I do see that. But I know there are some people that are all about time. There's some people that are all about convenience and others about money as well. Um, If you can hit all three, which is time, convenience and like low cost, then you've got a gold mine. It's very difficult to do. It is very difficult to do. And the time that we would take to do that, we end up in the space of autonomous cars. We've gone and put in bus lanes all around the city and now suddenly we're hit with these businesses wanting massive garages on the outskirt, outskirts and uh, because yeah. we no longer own our cars. So I guess it's about, again, with my idea of a future Hamilton committee is really taking some risks and with our thinking and what is the future going to look like. Is there any way... <coughs> I mean, this is, again, Auckland and me, but I know there's... There's this huge, uh, it's kind of seems like a complicated process because even with the train to implement it, what would there like five, six parties involved? Because you've got, I mean, I don't even know the difference between the regional, Waikato Regional Council and the District (laughs) Council. And then you've got the Waipa District Council and then the Hamilton City Council. I'm not crying. (laughs) I'm just joking. Tears of joy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is there any way that can be consolidated? Because I would imagine if you're trying to organize something that involves multiple regions, the discussions would probably go on for a oh, long time. <laughs> I mean, with the train, I'm, yeah, what, six parties involved, I was yeah. it? Yeah, I think it's actually moved. The train discussions move quite quickly, though. It has. It in, has. Political, um, in political years, it has, yeah. Yeah. Is, are you guys on good terms <clears throat> with the different councils? Um, you say no. <laughs> yeah. I'd be, yeah. Um, the mayor has more to do. There's a mayoral to, forum. Right. Okay. And, they, and they I do understand do relationships are strained. Yeah. Because um, here's, here's one of the things that I actually realised maybe a week ago is you've got a lot of people from, say, Te Aumudu, Cambridge, Huntley, who yeah. commute into Hamilton City every day for work. They're using, you know, our mm-hmm. roads. They're using a lot of um, uh, the amenities here. Um, but their rates aren't going towards the city. They're going back to their, yeah. their towns. And so yeah. the, the Hamilton the citizens are having to, their their tax money is going towards that. Yeah. Which, you see the problem? Yeah, look, I do. Yeah. But um, I'm not, uh, I guess the conversation we need to have, and I know the mayor's in Quite seems to be quite interested in sort of taking over and being the big brother of our boundaries. But but I don't think you need to do that. Again, you need to innovate. um, Well, if it can be streamlined so it's more, it's it's not as complicated and and there isn't tension, I suppose, between different There shouldn't ever be tension. And, um, uh, you know, we can have more cross-boundary arrangements. It's just about relationships and sitting around the table and deciding what the priorities are. And land is an issue for Hamilton. We do have two. Yeah, yeah. This is another thing yeah, Andrew talked about. Two northeast um, sections that are already in agreement to come in from Waikato District Council. Well, no, two thousand and thirty and two thousand and fifty. Bring those forward. Yeah. You know, let's get around the table and, and see see if there's an opportunity to bring them forward. But going back to the rates thing, and um, one of the councillors around the table constantly goes on about the the residents from Tamahiri, you know, <laughs> not paying their rates. But those people come in and they work in jobs and they create income and an economy. And when we we travel around the New Zealand, I go up to Auckland a lot and I don't, you know, it's 
unless we're going to build a Trump wall around the city, um, we should be... Well, I don't we, think that's... Yeah, I don't, we don't think that's... Yeah, we, we should not get good. hung up about that kind of stuff. I welcome visitors in our, into our city. Oh, I think it's good. I'm not and, saying that it's, yeah, it's but bad. But I know there's an but issue I, there, I just, but... just in terms of yeah. getting stuff done... Yeah. It makes... Yeah. It, see, because, say, in Auckland or Wellington, it's mm. just like you make a decision and then... That's right. That's it. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it... You kind of got the council and the regional council. Whereas with the Waikato, you've got all yeah. these different, yeah, all these councils. I mean, I don't even know. I've got a guy coming on who's from the regional council, yeah, um, later on this month. But I, I, I don't even know what the difference is between mm. the regional and district council and what both parties do. Well, the regional council used to be called Environment Waikato, so they pretty much that's their domain. But they did move. They did have a name change, and they moved into. Um, more sort of economic uh, planning and development for the region as well. But they do an incredible job. I wouldn't like the city to take on that as well. You know, they have a massive area um, in the region. They look after, well, it's a, it's a you know, massive water. Region. And, yeah, yeah, it is. You know, everything, environment and, and bird life and pests and water quality. And it's a huge, yeah, we'd have to double our elected members. <laughs> I don't think anyone wants that. Um, so I think that what they do is, is great. And, you know, some years ago, I think when I first sort of started on council, the government was um, pushing, this was just prior to Auckland Council, you know, the big change and amalgamation there, mm. um, talking about, you know, well, you know, come on, the rest of the country, you just get together and all will force amalgamation onto you. And everyone sort of panicked and I thought, well, the government's not going to come into a, a territorial authority and force us to do anything because uh, we happen to have 170,000 um, voters here for them as well. Yeah. And that never eventuated. It was a little bit of scaremongering, I think, at the time. Um, but I forgot what we were talking about. Which is the very... difference between the regional council oh, and the yeah, district yeah. council. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, in a decade, it's it's proven that actually people do want local. They do want to have elected members um, accessible and they they it's not even, it's not even patch protection it's just having something local and a local identity and communities of interest and all of these nice warm fuzzy things um, but it's um, yeah I, I think there's a real merit to local and to keeping local government I don't think we've got an excessive amount I think there's 76 in the country and look at Auckland I mean their amalgamation hasn't worked their local boards so instead of having councils like Manurewa and wherever they had they're all just these toothless local boards and I know a lot of members on those boards up there and they can't respond to what the people want, and we're here to represent the people. So, well, because money that's <coughs> gets allocated to something else more yep. than another community. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So I don't. I don't like the whole centralisation of things. I mean, people want transparency. They want accountability. They want to be able to trust their their um, local elected representatives. And if that's done well, then I think local wins every time. Yeah. There's something I want to ask you. I read this about a year ago. I did ask Andrew about this. He didn't really have an answer, and I it didn't really make much sense to me. But there was there was a a piece that I read on stuff yeah. maybe a year ago about you writing. I don't know what what would you call it. Uh, we're trying to pitch Amazon to oh, set yes. up their factory or yeah. the manufacturing here. I asked Andrew about that. And he said, well, we looked at it briefly, uh, but we probably couldn't do it because of boundaries. 
but from what I understand is you were the person, you were the brainchild behind it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so it was at the time where Amazon were looking to Australia. Yeah. And I thought, oh, oh, their next step will be across the ditch to New Zealand. Yeah. Now, Hamilton as a proposition is incredible. We're the safest, We, I think we are. It's fair one to say safer. one yes. of the safest cities. Um, we have Datacom here, so we and, and we have other te- technology-based um, uh, you know, head offices here because it's safe. And I heard so, um, IT is it, uh, one of the fastest growing in the country. Yes, and, in and, and it's huge here and we've got so much potential. In terms of transportation links and networks, you can, you know, there's not one exit and entry like Wellington City. Yeah. You can, you know, we're close to Tauranga, we're close to Auckland, we're close to um, uh, down south. So in terms of transportation networks, you can distribute and get things out quickly. Yeah. So I thought what makes sense all of those things as a proposition for a leader of a city to pitch would be pretty cool. Yeah. It would bring massive jobs. Um, <clears throat> and we've got the airport, space at the airport to house a distribution centre. Mm. Plus we've got um, Ruakura. So I um, launched that as a bit of an idea. I also had a contact with someone who had a contact there in yep. Amazon. Um, did you get very far with it? Or? No, well, I mean, I did the appropriate thing. I, I um, launched sort of the idea to get a bit of um, public momentum behind it and then I gave it to the mayor and said, you know, it's appropriate for him as the leader of the city to do something like that. So he said that he, sp- he spoke to um, Tainui Group Holdings and he spoke to the airport and they looked at it and then it just sort of nothing happened. What did surprise me though, and I guess I should have been um, more aware of that, was that I did get some concerned emails from residents saying, actually, have you looked at their employment issues? You know, because there was all that round that that stuff around yes. the hours uh, yeah. that they work in, um, what's his name, Bezo? Yeah. Um, so that was kind of hitting the media over or had been sort of in the last two years overseas. And <clears throat> I wasn't aware. I was just focused on our proposition as a city and look at all the jobs that this would create. Yeah, so, well, there's <clears throat> usually with everything there's a pro and con. Always. Yeah, yeah so yeah. you can see a pro to it, but it's easy to look at it and yeah. see it from a con perspective. Yeah. Um, I I do think it, it, it does need to happen at some yeah. point. And I, I think... Hamilton in the future will pretty much, I mean, whether you agree or not, I'm not sure, but a logistics hub oh, for the country. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And yes. I think with Ruakura yeah. and Hamport, whenever that happens, I don't yeah. even know when that's happening. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely see the potential for it because it's so mm-hmm. close to, you know, you've got 50% of the population within an hour and a half. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the transport networks and it's the safety of the city and it's the, um, yeah, the large labour contingency as well. Yeah. So if you, if you got, if you became the mayor, <clears throat> yeah, um, would you look at it again or I would look, look at, at it further? I would look at that again, but I'd also look wider than that because, um, you when know. You say, when you say wider, what do well, you mean? Well, other businesses. So oh, other, right, yeah, other yeah, distribution yeah. businesses. Yeah, you know, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. plenty out there. And, and, you know, we should have those flying buzzy things around, those drones delivering our pizza. Why isn't that happening here? We've got a flat, you know, flat city. Apparently it happens in Auckland in one suburb. Drones delivering pizzas. Yes. I want drones delivering me pizza. <laughs> are they... They're not autonomous drones, are they? I don't know. Uh, well, that is. I've I mean, googled it. I've got a drone. <laughs> have you? Yes, I do oh, have a drone. I think so they're really cool. They are very, very cool. Mm. Um, <coughs> the potential for them is is magnificent. Yeah. 
So yes, I would definitely, um, as I said, innovation and technology um, really excites me. So I would be looking. And that's one of the jobs of the leader of the city is to go out there and look for, you know, pushing our people and our our ideas and our city forward so that those opportunities can come. Mm. Because it's not, you know, I'm fundamentally opposed to the mayor's growth pace for growth. I think it's caused some significant issues. And it's not based on progress. And progress is... Growth is is fine, but the people in the area of growth are the ones that benefit. Progress benefits everyone because you're looking at a wider picture, and and again focused on the outcome. If if this business comes, what does that mean for our city? How many jobs? What's the environmental impact of that busy mm. business being here? How can local government partner with them? And all of these things. It's much wider than just building more houses. And are you a supporter of Peacock? I am, yeah. yeah, yeah. I do think um, we possibly put all of our eggs in one basket. I would have liked a, a more balanced approach, um, but, you know, the, the government wouldn't allow us to, to, to kind of disperse the funds that they've loaned us all over the city, and that was the that was the business case put forward um, that they liked. Um, <laughs> you might be able to provide a bit of intel on this because I, I've heard word that you – dealt with it somewhat so there's a guy murray shaw shaw bird park Park? yeah Yeah. and he had concerns over i think it was a a a road yes being built yeah through there and he he offered a solution to build it another in another yeah i think just off to the the left side yeah of his uh land which would save the bird park, yeah, and quite a <laughs> bit of money as well. Yeah, look, I'm not, I'm not over the detail of the money, but what I do know is, um, first of all, the staff want to save the bird park as well, and what's there while there is a road designated to go through there, they absolutely are committed to protecting, and I am to protecting what's there. Um, what's interesting about that proposal is if we went with Murray's proposal, and it, pretty much it's too late now. Um, this has been going on for a very, very long time. And and there were two processes years ago that he was involved in, um, but he understands, I think, now that he pro- probably just didn't realise the gravitas the gra- of Yeah. And I get that because, you know, oh, yeah, these... yeah, it can easily happen. Oh, and these, these processes are quite overwhelming. Um, but the road that he's suggesting there because of the designation of where it is now, other property owners and investors and developers have already started making plans and have got resource consents in, in that area. So it's too late to sort of put a road over there. Um, And so there's, you know, yeah, it's pretty much too late, but it's not too late to um, mitigate saving parts of the bird park. And it's a really cool place. And they're lovely, Murray and Margaret are lovely people. Oh, yeah, I I spoke to Murray. He's a very, very lovely guy. Yeah. but again, unfortunately, you know, these big plans for the future, while they're notified and people are involved, it's just understanding the reality. Um, yeah. And I and he certainly said to me he didn't understand way back then um, the consequences and, and the reality of this, you know, freight train coming at them. Um, I'd imagine. Well, I'm sure he wouldn't be the only one. No. I'm sure no. a lot of farmers and, you yep. know, pe- people would be approached. Yeah. Like, do you want to? 
yeah. sell this and, yeah. you know, m- might look at the dollar sign or they don't realise the gravity of yeah, that's right. what they're selling. Yeah. And um, and as well as the uh, the other, the road that he was proposing, the road that's going in there, there's also a whole lot of other property um, owners around him that have thought, okay, this will be good for us, so we're going to put a resource consent into, to do this development and that development. So, yeah. you know, the, the, um, the domino effect of changing something now would affect a lot of property owners there. Mm. So. Final question before yeah. we wrap up. What do you like to do in your spare time? Well, um, I've been... When you're not running campaign <laughs> trails and being so busy. It's not a lot of spare time Well, right I, I imagine at the moment you wouldn't have yeah. much spare time. No, no. But I do schedule in um, a bit of time for myself because it's important. I can't do a good job for anyone if I'm run down, tired and sick. So um, I've been ballroom dancing for seven, eight years, maybe. Ballroom dancing? Yeah, so I do ballroom and Latin dancing. How hard is it to learn? Um, Takes a a few years. It's a a very, very technical sport, um, but it's amazing. I absolutely love it, and I'd love to compete. I've competed once, um, and I won both my heats, you know. Would you you enter Dancing (laughs) with the Stars? um, Well, you have to be a star. Well, you're you're kind of a star if you become mayor. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. (laughs) But I think I'd be discounted or penalised because I can dance. So, oh, yeah. Is that, is that how it works? Yeah. Okay. Although it'd be amazing to dance with a professional. Um, I um, marshal, I do MC a couple of competitions occasionally, and I also marshal, which is getting the dancers out to the national competitions. We've had them in Claudelands the last couple of years, and you've got to get these these dancers out really quickly, and they're on the floor for a minute and 30, and they're sweating, and it's quite a, it's a very physical sport. Yeah. So, but I'd like myself to be on the dance floor. But anyway, so I do that, um, oh, between two and four times a week, depending. And then I hike, and I love hiking. We've got the, I haven't done any of the New Zealand's greatest walks yet. I'd love to, but again, it's a time thing. When you say hikes, what's the duration usually? Oh. talking uh, three hours? Half a day. Yeah, half a day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Te Araha would be one of my favourites. Um, get up there, although it's a bit of a, uh, it's a bit of a, 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 you know, a roller dice whether you can see anything when you get up there because often it's just fog and mist and stuff like that. <laughs> what's the but, What's the hardest <clears throat> hike you've ever done? Ooh. Um, so I know not to do it. Actually, I think the one in Rag. Uh, isn't the one in Raglan? Uh, I forget what it's I called. I did one Kariori, in the weekend. I think. Oh, I did think, you do? Yeah, yeah. I did just the three hours, but you kind of yeah. end up walking through someone's farmland. Yeah. And, yeah, and my partner doesn't really hike, and I took her, and uh, she found That's it mean. very difficult. Yeah, <laughs> I think probably the only t- the only reason I thought that was a little bit difficult was because it was raining, and you've got to pull yourself up on those chains. And I mean, I love getting in the mud and getting filthy anyway, but it was really hard this particular day. Yeah, but um, I mean, Mount Tiara has a pretty good hike. Okay, I don't think I've done it, so I'll have to... You should do it, yeah. I'll do it at some point. And you go right up the top to the trig and have your lunch up there, and it's awesome. But, you know, I no phone, nothing, and just just the the hiking boots and the weight of the pack. It's it's, There's nothing like it. Oh, you'll be very fit then. Uh, No, not quite. (laughs) (laughs) Not not during a campaign, I I suffer. And um, gym, I adore my gym. It's, you know, you walk in there and it's... Do you do classes or do you just No, go... I hate classes. Oh, okay. so you do, what? do you just do, <laughs> I do cardio? I do the man stuff. Oh, you're doing weights? Yeah. Yeah? Oh, I love it. Um, so I belong to Snap Fitness in Frankton. Okay. And, you know, I walk in there and that's just, I Do people know. come up to you though and be like, hey, Angela? No. 
I'm voting for you. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I put my, my loud music on, uh, very loud music on in my ears and I have my cap on and, you know, no makeup and I sweat it out with the guys. But it's just, and it's one of those things I've learnt, um, it doesn't matter how old you are, you can still build muscle. Oh, yeah, definitely. And definitely. I am, I'm not particularly fit right now carrying a little bit more weight than I should, but I'm still the strongest. Every day I'm stronger than I have ever been. Just lift those weights. How long have you been going (laughs) to the gym for though? Oh, since 30 odd years. Do you, is it harder the next day? Do you feel sore? Oh, I love that. Oh, you like, you love that feeling? Yes, because you know you've broken down some muscle and it's going to rebuild and you'll Oh, nothing like it. I love it. I, I would <clears throat> I would cease to exist if I couldn't get to a gym mm-hmm. two to three times. And two to three times a week is pretty, it's not great. I'm, I well, survive better on five better to six. None. It is. It, yeah. And it, not, it doesn't quite maintain five to six days a week is, is the sweet spot. Are you still managing to go even with no, this campaign trip? No, I'm no, not. I'd imagine you two to th- I'm down to two to three times a week, which yeah. kills me. But, yeah, it's <sighs> cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, look, I might wrap up here. And this is Thank anything you. else you want to cover? No, just vote for me. Just vote for you. <laughs> okay. And if you're not going to vote for me, just vote. Eh? Just yeah, well, yes. Well, this is what I keep saying every time I have a political vote. person on here. I'm like, vote. Yeah. Even if you don't want to vote, just vote. Yeah. But just make sure that you know who you're voting for. The part of the reason why I love um, having yourself on and the other mayor candidates is, well, one, it's a selfish reason. Yeah. So I can learn the policies. <laughs> yeah. But two, I think it's great because um, often with political people is they go on television or they do radio interviews mm. or, you know, these little video segments where they have to condense a whole bunch of information into two minutes, whereas, yeah, you know, you've gone over your policies and everything in detail over yeah. an hour and a half or however long it is. Yeah. And then I'm sure there'll be people that will not listen to the whole thing. No. But they can skip to the parts that's most important yeah. to them. So yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's good. But hey, thank you for coming. Thank on. you. I don't know how long we've been here, but it feels like about ten minutes. So yeah, it's, it's been enjoyable. a while. Okay. Um, <laughs> you're more than if you win, you're more than welcome to come back. I'd on. love to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but hey, I've really really enjoyed this. Cool. Definitely thank one you. of my favorite. Most favorite podcast. (laughs) Cool. All right. Well, everyone, make sure that you are enrolled to vote and vote. Um, If you do wish to contact Angela, you do have a mayor campaign page. Yeah, and and like 12 different ways to contact me. Yeah. She's not hard to find. (laughs) Yeah. All right, guys. Until next time. See you later.